Welcome to Next Steps, a podcast from Black Hawk Church in Madison, Wisconsin, where together we'll take next steps to grow in our relationship with Christ, to be formed into the kind of people He's created us to be, and to better love and serve those around us. Let's jump in. Well, hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Black Hawk Church's Next Step podcast. Uh, I am Michael, and I'm with Veronica. I'm the pastor of college-age ministry and internships. And Veronica, what do you do here at Blackhawk Church? That's a great question. I think people ask that all the time. Like, yeah. why, why is she here? Uh, I'm the associate director of spiritual formation. That's awesome. When we have some great courses starting up, which you kind of oversee. So we do. Yeah, yeah that's I'm really excited exciting. About them. I'm teaching one this, this semester. Oh, which one? Prayer. Oh, that's awesome. Is that the one at downtown? Yeah, it is. Oh, that's so cool. I hope a lot of people and college students sign up for that. Yeah. Um, Well, hey, we are so excited for this episode. Uh, Most of this episode will be us uh, talking about this past Sunday message that our downtown campus pastor, Adam Penning, talked about. It was really how to navigate the exclusive claims of Jesus. And like we say on uh, most of these podcasts, if you have not watched or listened to that message, we want to just encourage you to go ahead and hit pause on this one and then listen to that and then join us because honestly, it was a really good conversation that uh, Adam led us in. And I'm excited for us to talk about it and really the subject that that he really um, went into. Yeah, me too. But before we get there, we did this last week. We started with a fun question and we liked it. No idea if you guys liked it, but we're going to do it again. They all liked it. <laughs> they, all, everyone listening told me. I hope so. Uh, so. Michael. Yes. What is something you do that can be done theoretically multiple ways, but you think there's only one right way to do it? Okay. So here is a little spoiler. Veronica told me that she was going to ask me this question. I did. And I don't have one thing. I have a list. Oh, no. <laughs> you don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> no, he didn't tell me his answers, okay, people. I'll, I'll try to go quickly, but I, I feel pretty passionate about these things. Amazing. Okay. And I know that there's a divide here on a lot of these things. And some people might think I'm a little out in left field, but that's okay. I'm getting okay. ready for some hot takes. <clears throat> Here's some hot takes with Michael. Uh, I am a sock than shoe guy. And then a sock, then shoe. So, oh wow, yeah. So when I put my socks and shoes on, I ha- I always do my left foot first, sock on, and then I have to put my shoe and tie it, and then I have to put my right sock on, and then I put my right shoe on. I wish people could see the hand motions that you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't even making correct hand motions. I was like balling my fist and like punching. So yeah. All right, so that's that's debated. People think there's yeah. multiple ways. There's yeah. only one way. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one, I can never have any dishes left in the sink. My sink has to be clean and free of dishes. Wow. If I'm, like when I'm cooking, before I eat my food, mm-hmm. I have to clear all of the dishes from my sink. What? Nothing ever, at night, there is never a dish that sits or soaks overnight. Wow. I can't have it. Wow. I also don't have kids. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That might change later. We'll yeah. see. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Okay. A couple more. I will only, like there's rarely any time that I'll, I'll ever break this, but I only refill my gas on my car when it's on fumes. Like I'm talking about it has to be past wow. empty. Living life so, on the edge there. And I got that from my mom. <laughs> She's like, yeah, just why, why waste time? And so mm. that's another one. Okay. Only a couple more. 
<laughs> I only wash my jeans once a year. What? Yeah, once a year. What do you do with them in between? Just nothing? Just nothing. roll with it? Yeah. Again. I read that it's not good to wash your jeans. I just want to note that you do not have kids. I feel like I don't weekly I get like peanut butter or something on my jeans. So <laughs> Well, I get st- I spill all the time, but I just wipe it off. Well, I mean, yes, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Okay, I have a couple more. Uh, on Spotify, like the yearly, you know, uh, yeah. review, I'm an anthem listener. And so this is really true. I will hear a song and it'll just really speak to me. Mm-hmm. I will literally play that song 500 times in two weeks and only listen to that song wow. on repeat, repeat, repeat until just one day I'm done with it and I never want to hear it again and mm-hmm. I go to another song. Wow. That's the way. I feel like I'm learning so much about you right now. I got one more. Okay, great. <laughs> Let me if have people it. are still listening, they're like, this guy is, I don't know about Mine him. Mine is going to be so sad compared to this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is kind of the, the weird one. Okay. I, the other ones if, weren't weird yeah, at all. Yeah, as if the other ones were totally normal. <laughs> I, okay, I feel like, whatever, we're just going, we're going, we've already been going for it. So I eat the same thing every day. Like for breakfast, I eat the same thing. For lunch, I eat the same thing. For dinner, I eat the same thing. Not like the same thing for each sure, meal, sure. but yeah, for lunch, I, I have my lunch. For dinner, I have my dinner. I've like, been eating it for like that for years. When I go to a restaurant, I find the first thing that I like, and that's what I order. I don't wow. like to shift. I don't like to step out of bounds. I know what I like, and I don't want to be disappointed. Wow. Okay. <laughs> that is, that is, these are some hot takes. Wow. I am, I'm impressed. There you go. Okay, I could great. go on, but I'm going to stop. Yeah, I think you probably should. <laughs> All right. So how about you, Veronica? Okay. Okay. I have two. Um, The first, I uh, feel like my, if my husband is listening to this podcast, he'll understand. Uh, I feel like there's only one way to drive. And I am not a really an anxious person, but I get anxious riding in cars with other people driving, particularly my husband, because he does not drive the way I would like him to drive. And it, into, and he doesn't I'm drive. I'm leaning in right now. He doesn't for drive unsafely, to be clear. For anybody that knows Dan Hummel, he's a safe driver. I would never be concerned about it. But for some reason, I just get weird when he's driving. Well, when I think of Dan Hummel, the first thing I think of is safe driver. So, I mean, yeah. Doesn't he just look author. like a guy who is like a safe driver? Yeah, he yeah. does. Um, so there's that. And then the other thing that is extra weird is when I eat like M&Ms in particular, but any type of small candy like that, I like to sort them. <laughs> I can't even say it was a straight face. I like to sort them by color <laughs> and also eat them in pairs. <laughs> like, <laughs> like Noah in the ark, like yes. two by two. Yes, exactly like that. If Dan wants to troll me, he'll give me like a handful of M&Ms and he'll make it like five and like all different colors. I'll just be and like, why are you doing this to me? Fight, yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Okay. Well. Oh, that was great. Well, everyone the, stopped listening. For now. the one person <laughs> who still held on, we we welcome you. We we thank you. And we're so glad that you're here for this conversation. Welcome to Blackhawk Church, where uh, there's a bunch of weirdos here. A bunch of weirdos. We're, I, hey, I think we can own it. We're, I think, yeah, I think we're so. a bunch of unique people. Yeah. You know? We all you know, have... little snowflakes, right? <laughs> Every snowflake is unique. Okay, we got to move on. Right. Let's talk about exclusive claims of Jesus. That's, that's awesome. So for those of you uh, listening, just to kind of recap, um, 
Jesus made a couple just exclusive claims uh, in the New Testament in that were recorded in the Gospels, different things that he said about him that really made listeners and readers up to this day respond in, in, in a lot of different ways. For example, here's a, a very popular exclusive claim that Jesus made. It can be found in John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's perhaps one of the most exclusive claims that Jesus made. And, um, you know, like I said, a lot of people respond in different ways. And I'm curious, Veronica, how have you typically responded uh, with, with exclusive claims or this particular exclusive claim that Jesus has made? Yeah. Um, I mean, this one was a struggle for me when I first started learning about Jesus and learning about um, Christianity and my faith. And um, was a little bit of a barrier for me to like really making that final decision to follow Christ and to submit my life to him. And I think just not growing up in the church, I knew and loved a lot of people, including my parents, um, that didn't follow him. And so the idea that they were not going to be, I don't know, I think I was worried that like, they wouldn't be good people or something like that. Um, and and I didn't really want to think about the idea of like eternal life without them, without these people that I loved in my life. And so I think that that was a struggle for me um, initially. And over, over time talking through it, kind of asking some more questions, um, I really think the the concept of like a universal morality or mm -hmm. universal truth really helped me kind of overcome that barrier. In particular, um, I'm a I'm a big C.S. Lewis fan. This is a fun oh, fact. Yeah. I'll just throw this in here. Um, our son Jack, one of our kids, mm -hmm. is named after C.S. Lewis. Oh no way! Because his family called him Jack. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, anyways, there you go. I'm a fan um, too, and I and I knew that. There you go. There you go. <laughs> That's See? awesome. Hey, Jack. So, yeah. Mere Christianity was one of the first, like, sort of Christian books that I read, and it really yeah. resonated with me and made a big difference in my life. And so, he's got this quote in Mere Christianity where he says, um, a man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher, which, yeah. side note, is an argument that a lot of people make, right? Yeah. Um, so, back to C.S. Lewis. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. And I mean, that's pretty like, that's a pretty stark yeah. quote right there. Um, and I think sometimes it's hard for us to get all the way there. Um, yeah. But I think this was really, it was really helpful way to frame it for me to think through like, if I was going to take Jesus seriously and the other claims he was making, I could not ignore this one. Like yeah. I had to include this in the other claims that he was making. If he died for my sins, mm. um, I had to also believe that he was the way, the truth, and the life. And so I think that putting it in those perspective um, was really helpful for me and kind of making that final sort of step into saying like, okay, Jesus, I'm all in with you on this. Yeah, that's good. Thanks for sharing that. And I, I remember when I was younger, I, I started seriously following Jesus, like making the decision, okay, he is the way, the truth, the life for me. When I was uh, 15, 16, I was a junior in high school. And I remember reading Mere Christianity. It was a very, uh, form, uh, like, like really, really um, formation uh, heavy book in my faith when I was younger. But the idea of liar, lunatic, and Lord uh, was, was really powerful for me. 
But um, I don't know, like for me growing up, it's it's really interesting in this series, there's been so many different things when it comes to deconstruction that I'm like, yeah, I've, I've really deconstructed in this area when it comes to science and its relationship with the Bible. That's probably one of the biggest ones for me. Suffering, yeah, you know, in, in some ways, uh, you know, that how can a loving God just allow different things to happen? But I, I, I feel different when it comes to the exclusive claims that Jesus uh, has made because when I was younger, my grandparents and my parents, uh, they they raised me and my brothers and my sister to really, really believe that Jesus was the way, the truth, the life. So my youngest kind of formidable memories was that Jesus was, was Lord. <laughs> this is kind of weird, but whenever we would like hurt ourselves or I would stub my toe. Uh, my mom would say, okay, you got to pray. Say Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I was just like a little five-year-old <laughs> praying because Jesus was the one that would heal and take my pain away and stuff like yeah. that. So I never really wrestled with the exclusive claims of Jesus. And mm-hmm. I and I say that by saying, I know that a lot of people do. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I think with this, there's a, kind of a scale that people will deconstruct on different areas. Some yeah. like, oh man, we're, we're taking a deep dive here. Or mm-hmm. some like, ah, not that much. I'm the not that much one uh, here. But that doesn't mean that I haven't, you know, really deconstructed areas like, okay, is there even a God? Like yeah. I, I definitely have mm-hmm. uh, before. Or... The resurrection, really? Like we're all gonna we're all gonna raise up again someday. Like yeah. okay, okay. You know, I've I've deconstructed different areas and and really reconstructed uh, with people in a healthy way. But this was one where I don't know, just because yeah. of my upbringing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fine. We, I, I think that's to be expected, especially in a series like this where we're covering a lot of different topics. Yeah. Um. I mean, there are probably not many of them, maybe suffering, that don't actually touch every single, you know, single person, like, yeah. um, we're going to be at different places. So I think I said like science and faith was not a huge struggle for me. Yeah. It's not something yeah. that I really had to deconstruct. Um, and so this is, this is one for you. So yeah. I think that's fine. Yeah. But yeah. then on the flip side, right? Like I, one of the ways that helped me get past this hurdle was like, uh, the idea of a universal truth or universal yeah. morality. But now mm-hmm. that's actually a huge barrier for a lot of people in American culture, where there's this rise in this like post truth um, beliefs, and especially with the rise of social media and partisan news sources, there's a lot of bending truth to align with what we want to be true. Um, you know, uh, creating facts that feel like they uh, align with what we want, and we talk a lot about like my truth or your truth or yeah. and um, there's really no like real truth. Um, it's a post truth culture, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so. And I work with uh, college students, and it's interesting. A lot of you know on the campus, at least in my experience, that's very, very true. Uh, it is like a a post truth. Okay, well that's your truth, but this isn't my truth. And on one hand, honestly, I I do see the empathy behind that, mm-hmm. and uh, I do see kind of the beauty in a way of, hey, I I don't want to offend you, and I want to yeah. really try to understand where you're coming from, mm-hmm. and really listen and just value your mindset and your worldview. Yeah, I think that could be beautiful. Yeah. Uh, that's empathy, but the idea of saying that certain truth is just not true, mm-hmm. uh, that's that's kind of pretty tricky. And yeah. I think that's actually really dangerous. So so when Jesus made the claim in first century Rome that he is the way, the truth, and the life, 
in this culture, our culture today, that's offensive. Mm-hmm. But especially in, in, in his culture then, that was really offensive. It wasn't typically a post-truth culture. Uh, he was really, really uh, confronting uh, a lot of different ideologies around like Yahweh and who who God is. So Jesus was just offending everyone in a way. Yeah. Yeah, he really, he really did. Um, so we're going to dive a little bit deeper on some of those things that Jesus said, because Adam brought them up on Sunday, and we're going to talk about the same passages that he talked about, but he was really covering a lot of ground, um, and there's only so much that you can say uh, in a Sunday message, and that's actually why we have this podcast. So yeah. we're going to dive a little bit deeper. Um, so like you said, a lot of the Jewish believers that Jesus was talking to in these passages had a very specific view of God and the Messiah, and it, was, it would have been scandalous for Jesus to claim to be one and the same with Yahweh. Mm-hmm. For God to be human was just inconceivable to them at the time. So when he says in John 10, 30, I and the Father are one, and in yeah. John 8, 58, very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am these don't sound necessarily like bold statements to us when we read them, but they would have been huge to the ancient Jews. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It was a couple hundred years where early Christians wrestled with the idea that was later formed into the Trinity to where Yahweh, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit were three kind of separate entities, but also the same entity. And that's we don't have a category for that in the physical yeah. world. That's something that we... That is a mystery in a way, which Mm -hmm. I think that if God is bigger than anything that we can fathom, I think it's okay and actually fitting that there's a mystery around who God is. Um, But especially back then, I mean, we had a couple hundred years to wrestle and kind of land, okay, we're going to call it the Trinity. (laughs) But back then, Jesus was saying that he was Yahweh. Mm -hmm. And that was very, 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 very bold. But... I mean, throughout everything that Jesus did, one, you can just see throughout all the prophets, mm-hmm. um, what they when they wrote about a, a coming Messiah, he fulfilled them. And yeah. so it wouldn't have been a surprise. And the gospel writers were kind of understanding that, oh, okay, Jesus really was the Messiah. He, he is Yahweh. We don't really understand it, but he is the way, the truth, and life. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was definitely scandalous. Yeah, and we have, you know, the benefit of having all of the scriptures in one place and being able to reference them at, sort of at will and being able to draw those lines and have history on our side of believers over thousands of years that have have believed these things. But at the time, it was all, I mean, it was brand yeah. new. He was just out there making these claims, and they were really taking a huge step of faith and a yeah. bold risk to believe him when he was saying these things. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, you mentioned um, another one, another verse earlier, John 14, 6. Mm-hmm. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Mm-hmm. And then another passage is John 3, 16 through 17. Mm-hmm. The beloved passage the by beloved. most people. <laughs> You'll see it at sports events all the time. Uh, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Mm. So what do you think about these ones? Yeah, I I mean, obviously, 
the first Bible verse that I can remember <laughs> was John 3.16. And it wasn't until later that I understood kind of the, the benefit or really the power of adding 17 to that as well. Um, that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Mm-hmm. Just the reality that we need saving mm-hmm. and that God came down to save uh, to save his people through through him and what he's done. It really gets at the kind of heart of God and the character of God. I yeah. mean, back in you know early first century Rome, even in different ancient Near East cultures, there are different concepts of God was very different than a loving God who mm-hmm. would embody a human and suffer with and for humanity in order to redeem humanity. That's that's unheard of. Mm-hmm. Typically, um, you know, different gods, humans were there to serve the gods and right. to maybe produce crops to give to the gods or, or uh, uh, whatnot. Um, and this reality that Jesus was saying that, man, I am Yahweh. I am, mm-hmm. I am he. And, and he's coming here in his posture again, is he was a suffering, uh, a suffering God, but he also was a God who healed mm-hmm. a God who loved. Um, he made some pretty, I mean, he made some pretty exclusive claims that he was the, he was God, the way, the truth and the life, but he also made some pretty exclusive claims about his love for us and demonstrated it in a way that I think no one was expecting. Mm-hmm. And again, we're sitting on, you know, 2000 years of history to help, yeah. to help um, us understand that. But back then that was, that was pretty phenomenal. Yeah. 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 But I mean, talk, even talking about it now, it just requires a little bit of faith on our part to yeah. go all the way there. Right. Yeah. Like we still don't have, scientific evidence or documentation or real, I mean, we have documentation in the Bible, but we don't have the kind of tangible proof, I think, that could get us 100% there that says like, no, we know for sure someone has come back in time and said that Jesus is the only way to God. You know, we don't have that. Yeah. And I'm I'm glad that you bring that up. Uh, So Chris Dolson and I, we were the series captains for this. And again, that meant that we uh, spent a day where we just thought, okay, we want to do some type of a series, maybe on apologetics, really kind of defending Christianity. And that was the idea. And then, then you know, I was like, we should really talk about deconstruction and reconstruction. And we wrestled with that for a while. And then we mapped out, okay, what what types of subjects do we think are beneficial for Blackhawk and listeners uh, to really go through? And after we kind of laid that framework, Chris uh, brought about uh, this kind of thing called the faith scale. I think his his son actually uh, came up with it, but we we thought about infusing the faith scale in every uh, oh. talk that mm-hmm. we were going to do. And for those who might not be familiar with the faith scale, which you know might be a lot, I, Chris has brought it in different sermons in, sure. in the past. But here here's the idea: so let, the scale is zero to one hundred, and um, and the scale is okay. What 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 rational things would make me believe, let's say in this conversation, that Jesus is God? Mm-hmm. Okay, C.S. Lewis, he had a good argument. He's either a liar, a lunatic, or a lord. Mm-hmm. Great. You brought up this this idea of this just universal morality. Okay, that kind of points to God. Jesus was like fulfilled a lot of prophecy mm-hmm. uh, in the Old Testament. That kind of tips you up on the scale. And uh, different things like, 
eyewitnesses recorded Jesus or extra biblical material. Mm -hmm. Um, So Josephus, he was a Jewish historian. He, uh, in some of his writings, talked about this guy named Jesus in this movement. So there's all of this kind of this robust resources that, that are viable and reliable that we can say, okay, there's something to this Jesus. And, and the more kind of convinced or the more open we are to that, uh, that reality that Jesus is God, the more the scale kind of tips up. Mm -hmm. And in the faith scale, if it tips over 50%, like even if you're at 51%, that means that more of you than not believes that Jesus is God. So it's safe to say like, okay, you are God. I Mm -hmm. want to follow you. And some people might be at a 60% when it comes to Jesus as God, or 70% or an 80%. Yeah. Um, but no one's at 100% because we're not Thomas. Mm-hmm. Thomas stuck his finger in the nail-pierced hand of Jesus. He yeah. physically saw and talked with the resurrected God. He had 100% proof. Thomas yeah. and the early disciples had 100% proof that, that Jesus was God, that he was the way, the truth, the life. I might, let's say, because I shared earlier, I really kind of believed a lot of what my parents told me and Mm -hmm. all the different arguments that I just laid out. I might be maybe at an 80% when it comes to this, Mm -hmm. but I'm not Thomas. Yeah. So there's a 20% gap that we call the faith gap. And we all have a gap. And as long as the gap doesn't dip below 50%, then more than not of us believe in Jesus. But we're never going to be 100%. And that's why, like, there's so many different things that Jesus and that um, different New Testament writers will will talk about how faith is important. Mm-hmm. Like, we need faith. Yeah, I'm yeah. so I'm so glad that you got to share that here because I think it's just a really interesting concept and can I hope it's helpful for some people too. Yeah, I think it's helpful because for me, when I was growing up, honestly, I'm like a all or nothing guy in a lot of things. And I remember before I made the decision to follow Jesus. I was under 50%. Mm-hmm. My thought was, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced. But yeah. even when I popped a little bit above 50%, I think it was kind of like a six-month journey when I was a junior in, in high school. I really wrestled because I didn't have 100% yeah. proof. I wrestled with the, okay, so I have to have faith. I'm going to risk everything mm-hmm. for, for this. Like if I'm following Jesus my morality is changing. My, my lifestyle is changing. My habits are changing. I'm going to be praying. My lifestyle will change in a significant way when I'm not 100% certain. Yep. Why? Yeah. But the reality is, if Jesus is who he says he is, and again, for me to believe that there is a scale of faith, mm-hmm. I have to have faith right now. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not 100% convinced on that. But if Jesus is who he says he is, then he loves me. Yeah. Then he is resurrecting me after, you know, after he comes back. Mm-hmm. There's this reality that Jesus, I mean, he's everything. Yeah. And, and I want that. So I'm willing to, to trust that, even though I won't be fully convinced until the day that he does resurrect me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And so maybe I'll just say kind of, for those of you listening right now, if you're wrestling with this idea that, man, you, you, when you look at your faith in Jesus, you're not at a hundred percent. You're never going to be. Yeah. And that rub, that tension that you feel is not a problem to solve because you can't, 
No one can, Mm -hmm. but it's something to manage. It's something to say like, hey, do I want to say that, yeah, God, Jesus, I'm going to trust you. And it's okay if you're not at that point, but um, yeah, I think that's a, that's a, a decision that we all have to come to make. And that's why I love, you know, going back to courses. We have so many different courses that we can take so many different groups where, um, wherever you're at on your faith journey, um, maybe you're at a 20% or a 10% or a 5%. Great. Come to Blackhawk, come to our courses. Like you don't have to believe to belong. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, is that our, is that our tagline? If not, it should be. Yeah, you don't it is have to now. Believable. <laughs> we'll talk to Matt. Okay, great. <laughs> well, with that, we we just have a little bit of time left. Um, uh, so again, we talked about the faith skill. We're not going to convince people right now that Jesus is God, even right. though, like, you know, read the New Testament; it's phenomenal. Read the Old Testament; there's a lot of prophecy about Jesus. Mm-hmm. But maybe we can spend the the last bit of time talking about some other bold claims that Jesus made. Um, some claims about his love for us, mm-hmm. just because I think that no matter where you're at on the faith scale or your journey, it's it's important to know that Jesus made some other bold things um, about you. Yeah. So yeah, maybe we can dip into the parables a little bit. Yeah, I love it. Love a parable. Cool. So we're going to start with Luke 15, 1 through 7, and I'll start reading. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. I love that. Me too. I love the bold claim here. There's, um, for those who might remember, a really popular song, a handful of years, Reckless Love, that, you know, I think it was right before Waymaker (laughs) was the popular (laughs) song. Waymaker got a lot of us through, you know, the 2020, 2021, but Reckless Love, um, there's, there's a a part of that that talks about this parable. He leaves the 99. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe I'll just share what I, what the bold claim about his love that, that really resonates with me. So back in this culture, um, you know, shepherds, it wasn't a reckless thing. I'm going to use the word reckless. It wasn't in honor of the song. (laughs) Um, and maybe after the, after this, you can sing reckless love for us, Veronica. No, thank you. Okay. (laughs) But the reckless thing wasn't that a shepherd or Jesus, the shepherd would leave 99 for the one that wasn't reckless. I mean, that would happen all the time. If there was a a shepherd lost a sheep, then he would ask a neighboring or a friend shepherd, like, Hey, I'm going to go after my sheep that's gone. Can you watch watch the 99. That was pretty common practice. That wasn't reckless. I think that's our posture. And we think like, mm-hmm. oh, he's leaving 99 for one. Like, oh my gosh, he doesn't care. No, yeah. that's that's not the thing I question. But um, verse one is really important here. Now the mm-hmm. tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. And then verse two, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus responds by this parable. So that one sheep, Jesus is saying that that one sheep is that sinner, is yeah. that tax collector, is that person that you don't think belongs in the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. that you don't think belongs in eternity with Yahweh. 
But Jesus says, I'm going to leave all of them for that one. I'm going to chase them down the countryside. And it doesn't matter if that sheep, and we don't know if that sheep intentionally was like, I'm gone and booked (laughs) it, or it was by just accident. It was just want, we don't know. But the heart of God is, I'm going to, I'm going to go towards the person Mm -hmm. that you think is the least likely to be belong. Yeah. And, um, and I just think that's powerful. It was bold back then because tax collectors and sinners, they weren't a part of the the Mm -hmm. fold. They just weren't. No one treated them that way. But Jesus made a bold claim to say, this person is, and I actually came and I will die and rise again for them. And I think that's just a really powerful claim. And for me or for anyone else, like there's this reality that we can feel that we've really blown it. Mm-hmm. that we've messed up. Yeah. If if someone knew what I did, they would not want they would not want to hear me teach or they would not continue to listen to this podcast. Mm-hmm. We we have we all have different realities where we think we really blew it. And God's posture is like, man, I'm going to run after you. I'm going to chase you. Yeah. I'm going to lift you up and I'm going to bring you back. And I think that's just a it's a bold claim that mm-hmm. we just really need to sit with. Yeah. Even just feeling like Um, if you're new to faith, you're new to church, feeling that feeling like you don't belong, like, oh man, I don't make the cut. I haven't read through the whole Bible. I don't Mm -hmm. have any scripture memorized. I don't look or act or dress like these people here in this building. I remember feeling that way when I first started going to churches. Like, I mean, I didn't even know the order of a Sunday service. I don't know what to do. I walked in that building. I had no idea what was going on. Um, but to just, so I think this parable really spoke to me during those times that too, that like, I didn't have to look or act or behave a certain way. And if I didn't feel like I fit in, like it was okay. Jesus was still there for me um, as much as he was for the rest of the people in the room. Yeah. It's this reality that often humans, followers of God can create constructs of this is what it looks like to be in. Mm -hmm. This is what it looks like to be out. Yeah. And Jesus demolishes those constructs. And he Mm -hmm. says that everyone is created in my image Mm -hmm. and everyone belongs. And my hope is that they'll respond and say, all right, pick me up, put me on your shoulders, bring me to your fold. Yeah. Because the reality is we can get to the place where, where Jesus is chasing us down and we can say, don't pick me up. Mm -hmm. Leave me. Yeah. And he's going to run after and run after and plead. But when we submit and say, all right, I don't understand your fold. I don't mm-hmm. under, I don't even know if I fully believe you're my shepherd. Mm-hmm. But if I submit and let you pick me up, man, like that's, that's a, that's a beautiful place of belonging that we can go to. Yeah. So, right. well, maybe the last one that we can talk about, well, let's not read it because it's a lot, but the parable <laughs> of the lost son, another lost parable. For those of you who might not be familiar, familiar, I'll just kind of do a quick recap, and then we can talk about this, just the bold um, claim of love that Jesus is showing through this. So Jesus, um, he was talking. So after, after the parable of the lost sheep, there's a quick parable that Jesus talks about in Luke about the lost coin, and then he goes into the lost son. And this is one where there's this man who had two sons, and the younger son was like, Father, give me your share of the estate. He did. The son peaced out. He left and spent it all on wild living. And then he was out of money and he <laughs> needed money. <laughs> so like a lot of college students right now, maybe. Um, I'm not relating college students to the parable of the last son. <laughs> Anyways, but then he hired himself out um, to a citizen of that country in the foreign land um, to feed his pigs. 
And the parable goes that he longs to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one would give him anything. So finally he's like, oh man, what am I doing? I got to go back to my father and at least he might have mercy on me and, and let me um, just be like a servant in his household. So he goes and makes the trek back home. And when he was far off, his father saw him, had compassion for him, ran to him, threw his arms around him, kissed him. And he's like, man, father, I've sinned against heaven and against earth. I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father just put his best robe on him, put a ring on him, sandals on his feet. And then he got a fatted calf and killed it for him and, and threw this big celebration for him. And it ends with him saying, for the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Mm -hmm. What's your hot take on this? I mean, there's just so (laughs) much happening in this parable, right? And I think it's funny because I feel like when you talk to people about the parable of the lost son, it is like very divisive. Like I feel like Mm -hmm. people have really strong opinions about this. But the thing I love about it is, um, you like mentioned it earlier, but that he willingly goes back like Mm. he goes back to his father and to his family and i think that's the crucial part for us right is being is going back to god and going to him every single time because yeah we all screw up still even after we've been following jesus we will screw up or we will wander or we'll you know stop being as devoted and as faithful as we want to be and the the key there is to just keep going back i love that I, last night I was speaking at our college age ministry and, um, we just finished a series about, uh, the wilderness when we find ourselves in different wilderness situations, just hard struggles. And, um, there was, there was something that I shared about my personal life when I was growing that I wanted to encourage college students. And it was really about worth. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's so many times that we hold a mirror up and whatever people see, like whatever people think about us, mm-hmm. often we're like, okay, that's my worth. If they think I am attractive, oh, I guess I'm attractive. If they yeah. don't think I am, oh, I guess I'm not. Mm-hmm. We're, we can tend to be so res- responsive to what other people or social media, anything in our surrounding can say, but that can be so destructive because that's not truth. And I encouraged, um, and this is the coming back to, to God mm-hmm. uh, that you were talking about. I encouraged Uh, students, if they're in a situation like that, to do what I did. And a mentor told me, hey, Michael, every time you feel like your worth is less because of your surroundings or someone else, I want you to look in a mirror and I want you to get in touch with what you see. Hmm. And that was painful. Hmm. I was young. Mm -hmm. I was, I think, a senior in high school. When I looked in the mirror, I did not see someone that I liked. Yeah. I saw someone that other people thought was less than, or Mm. I thought I was less than. And he said, I want you to then say who God says you are, Mm -hmm. that you are a valuable man of God who's loved. And I'm like, that's crazy. <laughs> like, that's yeah. weird. Like, I'm, I'm in high school. Guys don't say that to themselves. <laughs> they don't look at the mirror because like, I want you to still do it. Yeah. And I did that, I think, every day for a year. Wow. And, and that was just a coming back to what God says of me. Mm-hmm. And after a year, I would look in the mirror and, and, you know, it would still never be like a perfect, but... I started to understand that I didn't deserve it, but God loved me Mm -hmm. and my identity is in him. And there's this, this invitation of when we come back to God in different areas and let him carry us and embrace what he says about us, 
that we get to live in the freedom that only he can give us. We get to live in the way that he created us to live. Mm -hmm. But I love what you're saying. It takes this decision to pivot and to go back. Yeah. And to accept that love. Like this is such a beautiful picture of God's love for his children, that he loves us so much that when other people think that we don't deserve his love and when we think that we don't deserve his love and in reality when we don't deserve his love really um he still just gives that lovely gift of grace and love to us um no matter what that's so good and maybe to end i just want to double down on that idea and you know i wasn't i don't think we were planning to, to end this way but here we are man if you were listening to this podcast and you feel less than If you're listening to this and something is going on in your life, there's a struggle, maybe just hard news that you're wrestling with, maybe there's a relational thing, or maybe how you view yourself is less than how God views you, or man, you just keep going to something that you know you shouldn't go to. The prodigal son in that culture offended his father so much that any Jewish listener who was listening, the Pharisees who were listening to Jesus say this parable was like, he is dead to his father. Mm-hmm. Like he is outcast. He is no longer a son. That yeah. was his status. He messed up so much that it was offensive for the son to even think that he could come back to his father. Yeah. But the son did. And then we get different cultural things that might be missed in missed in our kind of 21st century reading. Right. The father, like he was probably this a very wealthy man in a large estate. They didn't really run, <laughs> but right. he ran. The mm-hmm. father was looking out on the horizon for him. He was anticipating and hoping mm-hmm. that his son would come back. He gave sandals on his feet that says, "You are not a servant. You are my. You are uh, like." And a much higher status than that. He put rings on his fingers saying, you are back in the family. Mm-hmm. And he killed a fatted calf and did this huge celebration. So wherever you're at right now, this bold claim that we can read in the Bible and the parable of the lost son is for you. Mm-hmm. You might not think you deserve it. You might think, how can I ever go back? Or how can the situation ever get better? But this bold claim that God gave you is that, you're welcome back. Turn. He's going to run towards you. He's going to give you the dignity that other people, or maybe yourself, you might not even give yourself. He loves you. Yeah. And I think that's a word that we all need. Absolutely. In different ways. Yeah, you're right. So there you go. Well, this is a hard pivot, but (laughs) this is our penultimate episode. Last week is our last episode for this series. We are going to have a guest next week. Yeah. The distinguished Charles Yu is going to be joining with us. So if you have questions, please submit them. Remember, our email address is podcast at blackhawkchurch.org. Uh, otherwise, you're just going to hear Michael's and my questions for Charles. So, and I got a lot. I mean, after hearing <laughs> your hot takes today, I feel like you probably do. So Charles has some hot takes too. We should ask Charles for his hot takes next week. We should. I know a couple of them. And they are so good. I can't say it. Well, okay, we're definitely okay. going to ask him. They're so good. Okay, great. He'll, so, I'm, sure he'll, I'm sure he'll share. Submit your questions and stay tuned for hot takes from all of us. Stay tuned. We'll see you here next week for our last episode. Bye. Bye.